honestly, all of our lives, we should never stop learning. We should never stop growing. That's what this series is all about. Uh, I have gained some wonderful insight in my own life as I've studied these passages, and I pray that God's been using them in your life. I find Peter's one of those kind of (laughs) characters in the Bible that most of us can relate to. Uh, So many things Peter did, so many things Peter said. We'll look at some of that today uh, that I think all of us are familiar with in our own lives. And, uh, you know, my pastor used to always say, if you're going to point the finger at somebody, there's always three fingers pointing back at you. And uh, that is true many times is we're all guilty. And uh, I want you to look at the the passage. We're actually going to look at a couple different passages because what we're going to study today is actually found in three of the gospel records. And uh, so there, there are many of these things that happen that might appear one time in one of the Gospels, maybe in two of the Gospels, some in three, like the passage today, and there's very few that appeared in all four of the Gospel records. And so we're going to use Matthew 17 as we get started this morning, and you'll see as we get into the lesson this morning why I've entitled this lesson, Reverend is His Name. Reverend is His Name. And uh, I want you to look at this passage in Matthew 17. The Bible says, After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. How many of you think it's good for you to be in church today, right? Amen. So Peter, Peter, listen, that's a, that's a good sentiment. He says, boy, I'm sure glad I'm here is what he's saying. And he says, if thou wilt, he's talking to the Lord, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, what were they hearing? The voice of God. When they heard it, They fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Now this is an amazing passage, we oftentimes refer to it as the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. It was a monumental experience. I mean, uh, when you think about what uh, these men experienced there on that mountain that day, how Jesus appeared in his glory to Peter, James, and John. Now again, the Lord allowed these three, and oftentimes we kind of categorize them as the inner circle, that there were the three, and then, of course, there were eight uh, that were not a part of that inner circle that didn't get to go to some of these types of experiences. And then, of course, you have Judas Iscariot, which made up the 12. But 
these three got to go experience this glorification of the Lord Jesus. And Peter was going to learn a lesson that I think God wants us to learn from his life today. And here's the lesson for today is Peter was going to learn a lesson on the reverence of God. Now, this is something that, to be honest with you, is so applicable for us as Christians, is that we would reverence our God. And, and, and as I think about this, the Bible says in Psalm 111, verse 9, He sent redemption unto His people. He hath commanded His covenant forever. Notice these words, holy and reverend is His name. That's talking about God. His name is holy. He's a holy God. And reverend is his name. See, to reverence God is a key attribute in the life of a committed follower of Jesus Christ. To have reverence to our God. We live in a day when the culture of our day is become very casual. There's, there's, there's not the reverence of God the way that God has intended him to be, uh, be, be looked at by mankind. Look at Psalm 46, verse 10. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And he says, I will be exalted among the heathen. And he says, I will be exalted in the earth. Now, again, that, that ought to just give us hope because a lot of times we think to ourselves, we live in such a wicked society uh, where wickedness and sin abounds and a lot of times, like David in the Psalms, we think to ourselves, how long will the heathen rage and they imagine vain things? In other words, uh, is God in control or is God not in control? And we know the answer to that question. But God says, look, in the midst of all this chaos, God says, I'm going to be exalted among the heathen. I'm going to be exalted in the earth. He says, I, I want you to reverend or reverend me God is, is one, and listen, I, I, I understood this a long time ago after I got saved, that God is deserving of honor, that he not only deserves honor, but he desires it from us. Amen. You know, the Bible says, look, we, we'll have an opportunity this afternoon to, to give honor to where honor is due. And as we celebrate the life of our brother in the Lord, the reality is, is that as I told one of our men this morning, as much as I loved our brother, I loved the God of our brother because it was the spirit of our God that lived in him. It was the spirit of God that, that guided his life. And, and look, we all know if there ever was a person that, that I've known in this common day that I live in that was a testimony of the grace of God, it was Brother Richie, you know? Now, you know, I, I said to the man when we were talking, I said, the, the problem is oftentimes in our lives is we tend to, because of a life someone's lived, we tend to almost, we don't mean to, but we tend to glorify the sin in, in that life because we think to ourselves, look what he was saved out of, look at all that he went through and how God worked in his life to, to, to get him to be the man that he was. But think about this, it wasn't, him doing those things, it was God doing those things through him. Are you with me this morning? Amen. And so when you think about this experience that Peter, James, and John had the opportunity 
to be there, to experience this, this monumental time in their lives. Look what Isaiah said in Isaiah 42. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. God says, look, reverend, holy and reverend is my name. Uh, you need to reverend me is what God is saying. So I want you to see a couple of thoughts this morning about this opportunity that Peter, James, and John had. And it, listen, as we're going through this lesson, keep in mind, you and I are not, we're, we're never going to have that opportunity to physically climb a mountain and see the glory of God the way Peter, James, and John did. But can I tell you this? The Bible says to us as believers that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come into God's presence every day of our lives. Doesn't that excite you? I hope that you spend time with the Lord every day. So notice, as, as the Lord is teaching not only Peter, because James and John was there also, notice first of all the Lord's program. The Lord's program. See, the Lord was teaching the importance of reverence here. He invites all of us, just like He did Peter, James, and John, into His presence every day. And it's important that as we live our lives, look, all of us understand the busyness of life, how chaotic life gets from time to time. But here's what we need to do is we also, like Peter, James, and John, we need to, 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 to come into his presence so that we can hear from him, so that God can speak to us. So notice, first of all, we see letter A, the conference that took place, the conference. Now look back in your passage in verse number one. It says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and he bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, his raiment was white as the light. And behold, watch this, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. So here's what we see is, is that the Lord is actually communing with, having a conversation with Moses, and Elias is the Old Testament prophet Elijah. And so the, the Lord here is having a conversation, a conference, and it was a privilege for Peter and James and John to be there that day. And, and again, they listen, they accepted, when the Lord says, I want you to come up here with me, what they did was they accepted that invitation of the Lord to come and be in his presence. Now, when I think about that in my own life and in your life, look what the Bible says in Revelation 22 and verse 17. The spirit and the bride say what? Come. And let him that heareth say what? Come. And let him that is a thirst what? Come. People say all the time, you know, Baptist churches, why do you folks have what you call an invitation? Because I believe that the Lord calling out to people to come unto him. A great example of this is, you remember this, the, the book of Esther in the Old Testament and how uh, Haman and the whole situation there and Mordecai and how that, that, that Esther was to, she wanted to go before the king, but you could not just go into the king's presence without being invited. Remember that? And how, how uh, she wanted to go, she wanted to go on behalf of her people and we know how, how, it, how it happened, but here's what I, I love to see is when the king held out the golden scepter. That was his way of saying, you can come to me. 
And I think about how you see this conference taking place, that it was a privilege for Peter and James and John to be there. And can I tell you that every day of your life, it is your privilege and mine that we can come before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We don't look, we don't have to sheepishly sit there and think, boy, I hope I can appear. I hope I can go to him. I hope that he'll listen to me. No, no, no. The Bible tells us that we can come boldly that he wants to hear from us. And so here they are on this mountain, and they, 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 they witness this conference taking place between Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Notice, secondly, kind of interesting here, after the conference, we think of the cross. Now, I want you to see this because in a parallel passage, and you don't have to turn there, I included it in your notes, but over in Luke's gospel, the Bible says here in verse number 30, it says, and behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his what? His disease. Now, was Jesus sick? Was he sick? No. And we also know that he wasn't sin sick because he was the son of God, right? There was no sin in him at all. There was no guile found in his mouth. But the Bible says that he spake of his disease which he should what accomplish where is he going to accomplish that disease what city jerusalem i think all of us that have been saved for any length of time understand what he's referencing here is what he was going to go through for the sins of the world for your sins and for mine that was his disease that, that was that was what jesus was going to endure and he was going to go to jerusalem look because he was god he knew what was waiting for him when he got there and eventually uh, was nailed to the cross for our sins so what peter was going to understand here according to luke's gospel is this and all of us need to get a hold of this if you don't have this in your mind and heart by now is that the central event of all human history of all human history is the crucifixion and later the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what they needed to understand. That's when Luke recorded that he spake of his disease, what he was going to go through. See, from the cross, Jesus said these words, it is what? Finished. He's talking about the plan of salvation that he would redeem us from our sins. And the Bible uses in Luke 9, 31, the word accomplish. Here's what the word means. It means to fulfill, to carry through to an end. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't stop short of Calvary? Because if he would have, you and I wouldn't be saved today. You see, the, only, the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And Jesus paid the ultimate price, and his sacrifice, his, we, we just celebrated that with the Lord's table. His body and blood was broken, and his blood was shed so that you and I could have eternal life. See, the sacrifice of Jesus, listen, it superseded all the other sacrifices that were ever given in the Old Testament because his blood fulfilled the plan of God. Look at these great verses in Hebrews 10. I might preach on this passage someday. I love these verses, beginning in verse number 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And look at these next three words. Once for all. How many times did Jesus die for our sins? Once. How many times do you need to be saved? Once. 
And look, let's read on. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, bulls, lambs, goats, over and over, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Think of all those years, think of all those animals. And the Bible says, which never, which can never take away sins. See, they were just a type of what would happen one day when the Lamb of God would come on the scene. Remember what John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which does what? Taketh away the sins of the world. See, none of those animals could ever do that, but Jesus here on this mountain reminded them that it was all about Him. It was all about His sacrifice. And notice the Bible says there in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, He sat down after He offered that sacrifice of Himself, he sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I mean, boy, you think about what we have because of what the Lord has done for us. Look, I'm going to tell you, when you think about the Lord's program and how Jesus was trying to teach Peter, James, and John, now remember, to whom much is given, much is required. See, maybe, maybe to this point, even Peter, James, and John didn't quite understand that God is a holy God, that He is to be reverent. Maybe they didn't understand that. But I'll tell you one thing I do know for sure, is this world we live in today, they have no fear of God. This, this matter of casual Christianity, it smacks in the face of God. By the way, I'm not talking about the way somebody dresses. I'm talking about how people just flippantly approach God. You remember what Moses did when he approached God on the mount? Took his shoes off. Couldn't even look at him. You know, there's, there's so many derogatory things that are said about God. And look, when I think about this this monumental experience, folks, we, we need to be drawn into the presence of God. And as we come into his presence, let's remember who he is when we do that. Now, as they did that, notice, secondly, we see here the disciples' proposal. Because, you know, all of us would probably be the same way. I mean, remember what Peter says? He goes, boy, this is good for us to be here, you know? And, and I want you to think about this because Peter's first statement, honestly, was a, it was an excellent statement because it would have been good to be there. I mean, honestly, I would have loved to have been with Jesus. I mean, you ever think about that when you're reading the Bible? Boy, I wish I'd have been on the boat. Wish I'd have had a chance to step out of the boat. You know, I think about all those kinds of things when I'm reading the Bible. And Peter's first statement was actually an excellent statement. But as I, as I think on here... I see where the Bible says in Mark 9, 3, that Jesus' raiment, while they were there on that mountain, that it became shining, exceeding white as snow. Do you all know what snow is here? People that have lived here most of their life have no idea what snow is, but it's a wonderful thing. My wife hates it, but, you know, I wouldn't want to live somewhere where it's snowbound, but snow, pure snow is white, you know, until you let the dog out. It's pure white, all right? But it says here, it says, so that no fuller on earth. There you are, Brother Carl, your name's in the Bible. 
No fuller on the earth can white them. In other words, you can't put enough bleach on something to make it as white as his raiment was. It was so, you ever step, out some, step outside sometimes and it's so bright, you're like, whoa, give me my, my sunglasses. And that's, that's what it's talking about here. In Luke's gospel, it says, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. Now, here's Jesus, he's standing before them and the Bible says, he was transfigured. Now the word transfigured, we, we have an English word that we use, it's the word metamorphosis. It's actually the Greek word metamorpheo, that's where we get our word metamorphosis. And to help you understand it, if you're not familiar with the word, it's where oftentimes if you've ever seen a caterpillar, that becomes a what? A butterfly. It, it, it changes form. And, and that's what Jesus did because Remember, Jesus, he, he became man without ceasing to be God. What do we celebrate at Christmas? That God came down to earth, that he was born of a virgin, right? These are all cardinal doctrinal teachings of our beliefs. And as Jesus became a man, he, he did that without ceasing to be God. But here he is on this mountain. He walks, look, he walked up there the same way Peter, James, and John did. Jesus didn't float up to the top of the mountain. He could have, you know, he could have just transported himself up to the, but he didn't do that. He walked up there with Peter, James, and John, but then all of a sudden, this man, the, the, the God-man becomes transfigured in front of them. He takes on this heavenly form, and it says that, again, when, when they were seeing the Lord, they were seeing him through the same eyes that they saw him every day when they sat with him, when they saw him perform the miracles, but now they were seeing him differently. And so as that happens, notice letter A, the tribute. And Peter says here, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Now, I think it, look, I think a person is a wise person. If that person actually recognizes at the time that something special, something supernatural is taking place, and I think it's one of, the, one of the things that you and I need to, to see in our lives is God gives us opportunities, not with our physical eyes, but with our spiritual eyes to see that God is doing something. Look, I believe this all my heart. I believe God's doing something very special and supernatural here at Bible Baptist Church. I believe that. I, I still believe that God is working in this world today. I believe God is working through people today. But I, when I look at, at this situation I'm reminded of probably what one of, one of God's greatest sorrows is. And that is when we, as people, take God for granted. We, we don't look at him the way we should. We don't reverence him the way that we should. And as, as Peter, James, and John see all this unfolding before them, Peter was really, his sentiment was, I want to give honor and remember, he says, let us build three tabernacles. And notice he says, one for you. And then he says, one for Moses and one for Elias. At least Peter had the order, right? And so he says, I'd like to do this. Now, I think that should be our desire. I hope you want to honor God with your life. There's ways we can do that. We can honor the Lord by, by making, like today, having your family in church. 
Uh, you can honor the Lord by the way you live your life. You can honor the Lord by instructing your children. You can honor the Lord in your giving. You can, there's many ways that we can honor the Lord, but we see the tribute, but notice letter B, the tabernacles that Peter mentions, because his first statement was an excellent statement, but here's, here's the problem with Peter is he doesn't know when to stop talking. Because he, he honestly, like many times I've done, is he said too much. You know, if he would have just stopped there. But look at the last part of Matthew 17, verse 4. He says there, Lord, it's good for us to be here. And he says, if thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. See, Peter, and maybe it was his background, but he saw this as an opportunity for some type of a religious ceremony. That's what, that's what the tabernacles were about. Remember what happened in the Old Testament when the serpents were biting the people of God? What did they make? Anybody remember? They put it on a pole and lifted it up. Anybody? Yeah, the brazen serpent, right? And if they looked to that brazen serpent, did that brazen serpent on that pole save them? No, but what was that brazen serpent a type of? It was a type of the Lord, right? Because Jesus says in the New Testament, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. We sing the song, look and live, my brother, live, look to Jesus now and live, right? You guys with me this morning? This is Sunday school. Some of you are looking like you've never heard this before. But listen, we have to understand that as they were thinking about this situation, as they're looking at what is unfolding before them, Peter says, hey, look, uh, maybe this is an opportunity for us to have some type of a religious ceremony. But listen, that's the kind of life, religious life, many people live. The question this morning is, do we substitute religious rituals for a real relationship with Jesus? See, I grew up with all those rituals. You know, I mentioned when we had the Lord's table, uh, you know, I've had people even here ask me, and they, they ask with the right spirit, but they're like, Pastor, why don't we do the Lord's table more often? You know, you could do it once a month. You could do it every couple weeks. But as I explained, God, the Lord didn't give any instruction. He just says, do this as oft as you will. And I found that from my days of being a, I can't say a good little Catholic boy, but from being a little boy, I can just remember that there was no thought when I went to Mass and they put the wafer on my tongue. No thought. Matter of fact, I never even thought about what the wafer represented. And I think what we do is we take a situation where Peter, James, and John got to step into the presence of God. And Peter says, man, we need, to, we need to create. Do you remember what happened to that brazen serpent? Do I remember? It was destroyed. Why, why was it destroyed? Because people were honoring and worshiping it. Do you know why? And there's people who say that they have found the ark. Do you know if they found the ark of the covenant? that it would, be, it would be in the news, it would be all, you, you would have seen a picture of it by now. God doesn't want the ark to be found. You know why? Because again, people would worship the ark instead of the God of the ark. Is this, is this ringing a bell? Is this making sense to any of us? Because that's what we do, is we take something that is God and we turn it into some sort of ritual. We create a statue. When I was a little kid, my mom and dad had statues on the dashboard of our car. You know, I'm thinking, what's that chunk of plastic supposed to do? 
It didn't ever never did anything for me. Praying around a rosary never did anything for me. But I'll tell you, the day that I got saved and my pastor helped me understand that I don't have to go into some booth and pray to, pray to some priest and hope that my prayers get to God. When I realized I could go straight to God myself, boy, I'm going to tell you something. I floated out of there thinking, wow, I no longer have to go to some man. I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. And here they are. They're, they're on this mountain, and they see this. And, and Peter was, here's what he was doing. And this is, I think, what just struck a chord with the Lord. was uh, he, he was, Peter, with his sentiment, hey, let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elias. Here's what he was saying. One for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, what's the problem with that? They're all on the same level. See, it should be Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And that's, that's what he was doing here. Peter was denying Jesus his rightful place in worship. He was lacking in his reverence to God. And this is what we see here. Now, again, it started out as a good thing. Peter says, it's good for us to be here. It's good for you to be in Sunday school this morning. You know, it's awesome for us to come into the presence of God. But when we do, look here, Moses was a man used by God. Elijah was a man used by God. But Moses and Elijah are not Jesus. And we need to make sure that we are reverencing Jesus. So notice thirdly, because of their proposal, <laughs> we see thirdly the Father's proclamation. See, the, the central doctrine of all Christianity, here it is. You ready? Jesus is God. Because remember, Jesus is not only God incarnate in the flesh, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, but remember, Jesus is the Word of God. Remember what John wrote, John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if the devil can take his biggest acts and, and discredit Jesus, do you understand the full ramifications if somebody doesn't believe that Jesus is God? Somebody tell me what, what, what might be an outcome of that. No salvation. There's no way to be saved, right? Because he was the one that died for our sins. He gave his life. So when you see this situation where the father makes a proclamation, look in John chapter 10, and here's what Jesus said. I and my father are what? One. Then the Jews took up stones again. You know why? Because they didn't reverence him. They thought he was just a man, a troublemaker. They took up stones to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you for my father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that, that thou being a man makest thyself who? God. See, they, they didn't believe he was God in the flesh. They didn't reverence him, but God the Father, he proclaimed, this is my beloved son. So look, listen to what the Father says, letter A. The Father said, 
that we need to hear his son. That's what he says in Matthew 17, 5. Hear ye him. Uh, when Jesus was baptized, remember as he came to John at the Jordan River and all these people were around and remember John says, uh, I must needs be baptized by you. In other words, John's like, I think it needs to be the other way around. Jesus said, no, this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. And the Bible says they went down into the water and then they came up out of the water. But notice as Jesus was in that water, this is important because there are people in the world today that don't believe in a triune God. But remember that as Jesus, who was God, the Son of God standing in the water, that the Holy Spirit of God descended upon him like as of a dove, and there was a voice from heaven, so you have God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God the Father, three in one. And that voice from heaven, even at his baptism, said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see, when, when the, they heard the Father's proclamation, Peter, James, and John were seeing that God's Son should have all their full attention. Now again, I'm not discounting Moses, I'm not discounting Elijah. But listen folks, we need to understand as the reference is over and over again in the Word of God, Moses and Elijah, they represented the law and the prophets. Well, when you see the reference in the Bible, the law and the prophets is a reference to the Old Testament, the Word of God. It's all about Jesus. And without Jesus, without God, there is no testament, there is no word. And so he proclaims this. In our lives, the first step to spiritual victory in your life is the exact same thing that the Father is proclaiming to them on that mountain when he says, hear my son, that's what you and I need to do. The first step to spiritual victory in your life is to hear the word, to hear the word of God. Why? Because it's quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, it's a discerner. The Word of God gets into our lives. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Uh, you remember when you were a kid? Well, maybe this didn't happen to you, but it happened to me. When uh, you said something you shouldn't have and one of your parents kindly washed your mouth out with soap. Nasty, nasty, nasty. But that soap never cleaned me on the inside the way the Bible can, the Word of God can. So you think about the, the importance here. The Father is saying, you need to hear my Son. But then notice, secondly, the Father also said we need to heed His Son. Now what is He saying? Remember the song we sang at the beginning of Sunday school? Trust and what? Obey. Obey. For there's no other way to be happy in than to trust and obey. What is the Father saying? Don't just hear my son. The Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be what? A doer. He says, look, it's, it's a wonderful thing that you came to church and you heard the message from the word of God, but what are you going to do with it? Here you are on this mountain and God is teaching them about reverencing God. And he says, I want you to listen to my son, but then I want you to heed what he has to say. Obey him. Jesus said in Matthew 7 on that Sermon on the Mount, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. 
You know, when the rains came and the storms came, listen, that house stood. That's where your life needs to be, building on the Word of God, on the Son of God. A.W. Tozer said, it's not just trust. It's not just obey. It is trust and obey. The choice to trust God, to obey God, that choice is easy. Listen, the choice is easy. But I will tell you this, that it goes against our nature. Our nature, we, don't, we, we want to trust in ourselves. We don't, want to, we don't want to obey God. We want to do what we want to do. And God's answer to this is, if we're going to obey Him, we have to crucify the flesh daily. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Jesus Christ Jesus our Lord, I die how often? Daily. Every day. He writes to those in Galatia, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I lived, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, reverencing God, it's not a feeling. It's not some mood. It, listen, it is a choice. Our theme this year, choose. Even reverencing God is a choice, but it's a choice that needs to be renewed daily. I choose to reverence God in my life today. I choose to reverence Him tomorrow. It is education, listen, not only of the heart, but of the will. I choose to do that. When you look at this matter of the transfiguration of the Lord, why did God give us this passage in the Bible? Well, I think clearly it helps us to see Christ for who he is. He's the God-man, but it also helps us to realize that he's Lord of all, that we need to reverence him. He alone, remember what happened when they, they heard the voice, when they looked up, Moses was gone. Elias was gone, and there was Jesus. Folks, that said it right there. It's not about Moses. It's not about Elijah. It's about the Lord. Hebrews 12, 28, the last part of that verse says, Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably, how? With reverence and godly fear. Psalm 89, 7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence to all them that are about him. How many of you think that God wants to be the focus of our lives? And he wants us to reverence him. I hope that's the way you want to live your life. And what a tremendous passage. What an opportunity that Peter, James, and John had. Last week in Sunday school, I mentioned that, uh, you know, somebody had asked about, we were talking about spiritual gifts. And I mentioned that I had a little spiritual gifts test. Now, I will tell you, you can't fail this, all right? But uh, some of you said, hey, pastor, can we have a copy of that? Because I'd like to identify maybe what the spiritual gifts are in my life. Does anybody here uh, want a copy of that? Okay, Brother Guy, you want to pass these out? Keep your hands up if you would. Uh, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory if you read it. Now, I will tell you two things. One is you have to follow directions, and two, um, you, have to, um, uh, two you have to make sure that you're honest while you take it, all right, that you're honest while you take it. Now, while they're, while they're passing those out, I also want to mention to you, and I'll say this in the morning service, that um, our friend day is next week. And uh, I hope many of you have invited someone. Uh, how many of you have invited somebody to our friend day? Raise your hand, okay? 
quite a few of you have. Uh, let, let me ask you, if you would, my wife put together, these are, we've been giving out those little invitations. She made these little cards off of that, the same artwork, and uh, it just says right on here, looking forward to you joining me for Friend Day, Sunday, October 14th at 1030, and on the, on the back of it, we have stapled uh, some manna. Oreos, all right? And I think there's a couple other things. There's even, uh, I don't know if this is racial, but there's some blonde Oreos, all right? And so uh, there, there's different types of cookies. But if you, listen, if you have invited a friend, maybe two friends, three friends, uh, we want to give these to you. Now, there's, the stipulation is they're not for you. You can't eat the cookies, all right? Here's what we want you to do. Remember I told you early on, we want to see all of us have someone here on Friend Day so we've made these so that you can go to your friend this week and you can say, I wanted to give this to you as a reminder that you said that you would come and be my friend on our friend day at our church. And all you got to do is just hand it to them. That's all you got to do. But it's a reminder. And so if you've invited and you, you, got, you have three people that you've, you've talked to and invited, then take three of these. If you've invited one, take one. But remember, take one for your friend, not one for you, okay? We want to make sure we have enough of these for everybody. So, um, Brother, Brother Greg, you want to help me out here? Maybe Brother Guy? Uh, if, you, if you need some of these, raise your hand, because we're going to do this during the service, but it'd probably be easier to get out as many as we can right now. So raise your hand if you need some, and uh, just let the guys know as they come around how many that you would need. Brother, Brother Tim, you want to help maybe too? Make sure we get these out. Anybody, keep your hands up if you need, if you need some of those. And uh, we'll wait till everybody gets in before we're dismissed here. So try to keep, keep it as simple as we can. Keep your hands up there. And if you guys, if there are any left, just uh, put them back in the thing. And... Anybody have a question while they're doing this? Don't forget about the service tonight. Brother Richie at 5 o'clock. We're going to have a great time. Uh, when Miss Heidi, I think, had her hand up here. Anybody else need some of these to give to your friend or friends for friend day next week anybody at all we get everybody okay guys in the sound room anybody back there good to go all right well lord bless you for being in sunday school this morning and you're dismissed we'll get started here